Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever, and I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. Marco Antonio Regil is a successful international speaker, television host, influencer, podcaster, and activist. Awarded by Reader's Digest Mexico Magazine as the most trusted television presenter for three years, Throughout his more than 35-year career, he's conducted some of the most successful game show programs in Spanish. I am certain you are going to be inspired by this interview. Marco, thank you so much for joining me today. Juliana, amiga, thank you for having me today. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I'm going to try to say your mission in Espanol. I told you I am learning Spanish. Um, again, for the second time in my life, and I'm going to practice by by listening to your amazing stuff out there. Um, but I love your mission. So your mission, I'm going to say it in Spanish, and I apologize if it sounds awful, but it's so beautiful. And then I'll say it in English. And then I would love to hear your version of it. So, mi misión es ayudarte a lograr más salud, abundancia y felicidad en tu vida. My mission is to help you achieve more health, abundance, and happiness in your life. Can you talk about that? I love that. Well, is, is the things that I've been passionate about is the things that I saw in my life uh, when I was little. My mother was a single mother, divorced, working hard, and I, that's what I wanted to give her. So since I was a kid, it became my dream to grow up and help her out. And then, then I started realizing that if you don't have an integral development in your life, like the kind of education we don't get at school, financial education, emotional education, health-wise, you know, uh, our bodies, our food, all of that. We don't get that. At least I didn't get it in Mexico growing up back there. But I hear that here in the States, you don't get it either. So that became my my passion because this is the information, this is the education that actually can make us really happy. Yes, so true. And what's so interesting is that you have a, you went back to school to get a master's in spiritual psychology. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that was back at the University of Santa Monica in Los Angeles. Uh, I was the first time there. I met you. The first time I met you, you were in that program. I was, yeah, I was <laughs> in that program. We went to uh, Gracias Madre, right? And yes, and I was I was doing that program. Honestly, when I went in there, I just wanted to meet people and practice my English. My my expectations were very <laughs> low. I said, "Oh, great! There's a bunch of spiritual people here, healthy people, yogis, vegans, whatever. You know, seems to be my 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 crowd, my family." So uh, I went in there just with very little expectations. Like I said, just practicing the, the new language, English for me, and then making good friends in a community. And I got way, way more than, than I expected. But it was good that I went in without any expectations. Oh, how interesting. Okay, well, what, what can you talk a little bit about what you got out of it? That's just so different and beautiful. Yeah, well, it's emotional intelligence. I mean, in, in the past, I used to think that I was a certain way and I wasn't really aware that I could change the things that were part of my core behavior. Meaning, for example, growing up in Mexico, I tend to be a jealous kid, right? My mother was divorced and I would be very jealous of her friends and things like that. So obviously I grew up to be a, a jealous boyfriend, <laughs> right? And then uh -huh. I connected with jealous women <laughs> that wanted the same drama. And I thought I used to be like that. Just to give you one example, right? I, I, I used to think, well, I'm, I'm just jealous. That's the way I am. And then uh, studying spiritual psychology, I realized that I could heal things. I could let go of, of negative pa patterns, limited, limiting beliefs. And I started 
changing and, and, and letting go. And that immediately, immediately created more happiness, paths within myself, peace within myself. And, and, and that in, in, in allowed me to become happier. Okay. Now I want to go back to school and get a degree in spiritual psychology. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's life altering. <laughs> it's, it was beautiful because we, we really heal things in the very, in a very simple ways. It's not that complicated. It's just knowing that they are there, noticing them and, and, and applying love, applying love and compassion to ourselves and, and, and just letting them go. Of course there's techniques, of course there's, there's ways we let it go, but, uh, but most of it is just becoming aware of it and, and really releasing them. And, and I, I got to meet amazing friends there. Uh, we're still family and, uh, because we got to share things in the classroom that we didn't share with our families. Right. I mean, the very intimate stuff, very beautiful stuff. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's a perfect segue to my next question is that you are a big believer in creating a more compassionate world. In fact, that's how we met in the, the vegan mm. movement. Can you talk a little bit about that and why, yeah. why, how that happened for you? Why? That's what I, what I, what I think when I see torture, when I see abuse, whether it's in human beings or animals or our planet, I go like, why? What's the need for this? Why do we have to be predators? And why do we have to get out of the circle of life? Because the circle of life is taking and giving, right? It's just keeping things in balance. And, and I feel that we humans have gotten out of the circle of life a long time ago. We're just taking, 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 ex exploiting and doing whatever in order to get our our, 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 our needs met, right? But it's beyond our needs. It's just, just, uh, it's just this ambition is never, is this never enough kind of feeling, right? Where we have to have more and more and more. And, and we saw it when, when COVID kicked in and, and we stayed in our homes and then nature started thriving, right? We, we saw that we don't, we're not actually very, <laughs> very positive, uh, living beings for, for this planet We're we're out of balance. So for me, being compassionate is just applying the same thing. I mean, when I was little, I, I, my mother, we were, I was raised Catholic and my mother used to take me to church and, and I would hear the, the Jesus story and, and in Mexico city, you have a lot of these, uh, very Spaniard European like churches where the, the, the figure, the crucifix and Jesus and, and all of that are very real. They use wigs and they have this, uh, this really very real, uh, you know, images of, of Jesus and I used to cry. I used to, you know, when my mom told me what happened, according to the Bible, I used to cry and I was, I was traumatized by, by the torture. And then, then later on, later on, I, I, I saw that I was as, uh, as, as tender, let's say in my heart and, and as hurt in my heart when I saw movies about slavery and bringing, you know, African slaves to, to the, what now is the U S right. And, and then the slavery in Mexico, when the Spaniards got in there. And then when I saw the torture towards, towards animals, it was, for me, it was the same thing. It was the same reaction I got to the Jesus story, the slaves, the, the all, all this injustice and torture. So I just don't want to be a part of it. I just don't want to participate in it. And I, and I want to do the best that I can to bring awareness. So we disconnect from that unneeded uh, torturous pattern and toxic pattern. Marco, I'm exactly the same. It's so interesting. I can't watch violence on TV to people, to animals. I can't see in person. I can't even watch the news anymore because it's, it's I guess it's like this empathic thing where you 
you feel it. And it's just, it's, it's so awful to watch. And I love that you're turning it around. And that's what I'm trying to do too, just by being optimistic and positive and shedding some light, you know, on all of that, you know, in a positive way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Juliana. I, it's, it's, it's not our nature. I don't feel it's our nature in my heart. I don't feel that's our nature. Our nature is love. Our nature is compassion. I mean, a kid is not like that. Uh, right. he, can, he or she can learn to be like that, right? If mom and dad or the family or the environment teaches him that torturing another living being or exploiting another living being is, is okay. But that's not the way we are naturally. Right. I don't think so. No, and it's kind of a big test for um, sociopathy, right? If you mm -hmm. can't, if you, if any desires to do that, it's just like it's it's a warning sign, it's a red flag. But we're kind of socialized, right? Where the, all of that, the TV and the video games and all of that, it's just it's kind of violence is everywhere, and it's it's really weird. It's like it's just kind of our world. I know, I know. So we're on the same page, doing doing our best, but most most of the times. Uh, what I've learned by studying spiritual psychology and learning to be more compassionate is that it's understanding that nobody is mean just because there's always something hurtful behind that, right? So if you were abused as a kid, very likely you're going to end up abusing other people, right? If you yeah. lived violence in your home, then you're going to end up being violent with others because it's what you learn and you have something painful inside you. So I'm not judging people who are violent. My father used to be very violent. My, my father was a brilliant man, uh, but he was alcoholic and he used to, you know, uh, beat my mom up. And that's the reason they, they separated, you know, and my mother, since I was little, she explained to me that he was sick was alcoholism. And uh, she explained to me very clearly that I, I shouldn't drink alcohol because I had it in my blood. Or if I drank it when I would later on as an adult, I would always have to be very respectful and careful with that. And, and I understood. And then I heard the story of my father and my father grew up with another violent man, which was my grandfather. Right. <laughs> and uh, he was also brilliant, but, but alcoholic. And then God knows if it goes back three, four or five generations in a world where beating women was accepted, was kind of like a normal thing back in the day, horribly, it was like, okay, it's, it happens, right? It wasn't a big deal. Now it's a big deal. And, and I'm not justifying what he did at all. That was very painful and hurtful for me to know that the, the, the human being that I love the most went through violence. And if I could change things from the past, that's the number one thing that I would change. But I also learned that it's unfair for me to judge him uh, and compare it to me because I was raised by a peaceful, I mean, dramatic and, and, and jealous mother, but, but peaceful and <laughs> loving and sweet, <laughs> right? And, and I, I, I didn't experience violence in my house. So for me, it's very easy to understand that violence is not the way. But if I would have been raised in a, in a, in a home where, where violence was the norm, would I have been different? I don't know. So who am I to judge? Right. So that's something that I've learned that if, if I want to, if I want to, if I'm talking about compassion, I need to start being compassionate with myself and others too, especially with the ones that do things that I, I don't approve. It's quite extraordinary that you stopped that pattern of all those generations of men in your, in your life. And you, are you accrediting that to your mom? Is that what you're saying? Or, I mean, cause that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was really clear. Your father was, is an alcoholic and he was violent. Your grandfather was an alcoholic and he was violent. And she was talking about my, my, my dad's side of the family, right? Not my mother's side of the family. 
because I didn't grow up with with them. I grew up with my mother and my grandparents from my mom's side, which were, you know, lovely and sweet and loving, you know, all of that. But so, yeah, we were talking about my father's side. And yeah, she told me like, you know, you're, you're not, you can't drink alcohol. Alcohol can do things to you that don't do to other people. And, uh, and I was very aware. And since that, since that was the most painful thing I, uh, that hurt my heart as a child, of course, I didn't want to be a part of it. Just like now, when I see the violence towards animals, I don't want to be a part of that. I see the violence against African-Americans and Asian people. I don't want to be a part of that. So I do my best to be the opposite. So, okay, I, I am 100% in alignment with that, and I respect and love that, and it's what I try to do every day as well. What would you say to the audience about, like, what kind of advice would you give about how, like, little things they could do to implement that as well, to, to impart compassion and to think about things and to treat people compassionately? Yeah, well, good, great question. I think that, uh, or I feel or I experience in my, in my own life, and I don't expect anyone to believe me, it's just an experience, a personal experience. I, I do invite others to consider this possibility that our natural energy is love, that our natural energy is compassion, that our natural energy is peace. It's only when the mind gets misunderstandings or jealousy or envy or, 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 or when we start taking things personal or there's some confusion and misunderstanding of reality. When we buy into that, that, violence and hate and envy and jealousy kicks in when we get rid of that when what i mean when we either going to therapy or meditating or running marathons or whatever whatever method you can you, you like but when we clear our minds from confusion all that is there is love so it's not that we need to make a huge effort to be loving it's just we need to get rid of the things that are getting in the way, right? I think it was Rumi that said that, that our mission is not to find love, but to, you know, find out what's keeping us from being in our natural energy, which is love. So it's like a river is flowing and then maybe some rocks or tree branches fell in there and they're interrupting the flow. It's just getting rid of the debris. So the, the river will flow again. And that river is love, is compassion, is peace. And one of the ways I, I keep, it alive, keep it alive in my heart and my life is by practicing gratitude. Uh, if I don't practice gratitude, my brain goes into very dark places. <laughs> ah, yes. So gratitude gives my, my brain an activity, a, a focal point. So let's say two weeks ago, I, I had a very, very painful episode where my beloved dog, Bernie, passed. He, I'm so you know, sorry, Marco got a heart yeah thank you he had a heart attack it was unexpected oh, wow. and he dramatically died in the doggy part where where we go all the time and people oh. were surrounding us and we try to keep him alive and it was it was very painful so immediately my mind goes into anger why did he leave he was five years old this is not fair what god why are you doing this to me this you know he was a good soul you know what am i gonna do without him my mother died five years ago my other doggy died five years ago why everyone that i love is going away so you see i, I started to drive myself crazy and that's normal when something dramatic happens it's very human and very normal that the human mind is going to go into the rabbit hole is just going to go crazy. Right. Yes. And that little voice is what creates most of the suffering. 
the moment I said, okay, I need to practice gratitude. And then instead, instead of crying and thinking all these crazy things that just make me suffer even more, then I started focusing on God or universe. Thank you. Because I was the one who had the privilege of finding him on the streets of San Diego. That, that dog could have been found by anyone else. And I was oh. the one who found them. Thank you. He was a gift. Thank you, God. I, I, I'm really sad because he left, but I'm really grateful for those five years. I wouldn't change those five years. And then I started getting more specific. Thank you for the walks. Thank you for the happy moments. Thank you for the smiles that he brought out on all the other people. Thank you because he inspired other people to adopt instead of shopping. And then I'm, I'm still crying, but then my mind is not getting into this dark side that creates suffering. So within the tears, I'm creating peace inside me and I'm feeling fortunate, not because he left, but because of the five years that I had him with me. So that's the way I personally keep myself sane by practicing gratitude in a specific and constant way, like every day and very specific. First thing I do when I wake up, last thing I do when I go to bed, just like fine tune my mind into saying thank you, thank you, thank you, not taking anything for granted. That's beautiful. Oh, when I lost my dog a few years ago, I couldn't go home. I remember I would drop off the kids at summer camp and I couldn't go to the house without my dog there. Like I, It mm-hmm. was so devastating. I couldn't believe how painful that was. I've done, it's happened to me before, but this time in particular, it's so painful, but I love the way you're flipping it. Um, Marco, millions of people know you and love you as a television host. And being a host often means you need to be able to relate to all kinds of different people on a moment's notice and then make them as comfortable as possible. When did you learn that you had that skill? <laughs> thank you. That, that's a, and I'm sorry about your doggy, by the way. Thank you. And thank, thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, my, my father, my, my grandfather from my mother's side, he was an entrepreneur and he was an engineer. So he was one of the founders of radio in Mexico. He was one of the three engineers that opened the first radio station in Mexico. And so I, I want to believe that I had it in my blood, right? Because I was born and raised in a house. Since my mom was divorced, I was raised in my grandfather's house in Tijuana, Mexico, right there by San Diego. And uh, I was raised in a house where there was a radio station in the house. <laughs> so all that I knew was radio and announcers and broadcasting. And then my mother ended up being a public speaker. She was oh. a sales, sales trainer. Yeah. For a, for a network marketing company, uh, Avon back in the day, which was the only one of the few places where a woman who was divorced with three kids had, a the opportunity of live, of, of working without being sexually harassed. You know, back in the day in the seventies, I was born in 69, in the Mexico of 1970, women wouldn't work. I mean, they were just home. And if you were divorced, that was not a good thing. Right. And, and she found this American company that, that was, you know, very clean, very, very, very good for women. And, and I, I grew up in, in, that, in that environment, seeing other women getting ahead in life, seeing my mother as a motivator, as a sales coach, meeting other public speakers, so between my grandfather having a radio station and my mother being a public speaker, I don't know. That's the only thing I knew. <laughs> so it's like, I love it. And I wanted to, I would grab the microphone. I would start talking uh, at any opportunity I had. Then Santa Claus brought me a microphone and a speaker <laughs> and, a, and a portable record player and a portable cassette recorder player. 
So I built my radio station and my mother was a believer in my dreams. And she said, yeah, great. She always said something. She said, Marco, we all little chiquito. She would call me that's like little <laughs> one in, in Spanish. Like chiquito, she would say, everyone has dreams, but very few people are willing to pay the price to achieve their dreams. So <sighs> if, if you really want it, you can have it. You just have to work for it. So I got it. And, and she said, okay, so what's the plan? I mean, she was a sales trainer, right? So she immediately set up some goals and, <laughs> and a plan. So, so she was like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, you need to practice. Like, yeah, I'm going to practice. But you can't practice with a seatbelt, you know? It's like, I, because I would grab her car seatbelt. Back in the day, nobody would use seatbelts. So that was my microphone in the car. And so she said, that's not enough. That's good. Practice for improvisation when we're in the car, but you drive me crazy. You have to practice in the house what are we gonna do and i said i don't know and she said like why don't we write a car a letter to santa and we you know we we asked him for a couple of things that could help you uh build your radio station and i was like oh wow that's cool so so we i wrote a letter to santa and things showed up <laughs> things showed up and wow and, and then i would spend at least two to three hours a day like pretending i was a dj and i would beg my grand parents or my nanny or my mother or my brothers, whoever victim I could grab to sit down outside my bedroom. I would put the speaker outside the bedroom and please listen to me. This is my radio station. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Now, now I have a, a, a whole thing here in my in my home doing podcasting and stuff. So for me, Juliana, we're right now we're just playing. <laughs> so it's the same. Right, right. And you've got hundreds, of, I don't know, millions of people listening to you because you're just so beautiful. So, okay, I could talk to you all day. I think you're amazing. I'm going to, we have to keep it short. So I have one more question. Okay. Um, we are all about choosing yourself here. So what does choosing yourself mean to you? Honoring myself, honoring my heart. I really early in my life from my my wonderful mother i learned that working for the money was not a good idea she 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 said work for your passions be very clear on what makes you happy and what's in your heart and money should come as a consequence of doing what you love and serving others as you do what you love so never focus on the money money will come as as a consequence of following your heart so that's what it means to me, because that's honoring who I am, honoring myself and, and being very present with that. Because at some time and moment, getting a radio show and getting on television and doing the prices right and the family feud and, uh, you know, uh, you're smarter than a fifth grader and all these TV shows. That was my dream. And then things switched and then becoming more of an activist and a podcaster and a content creator and having online courses and being a public speaker like she was, then that became my, 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 my passion because I realized that as much as I loved entertainment, I wanted to give something that would be, that would give people something beyond uh, a temporary relief, which entertainment is amazing, but it's just temporary. So I wanted to give them skills and, 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 and tools, right? Um, so they could get better in life. And, and as I learned them, I wanted to share them. And I realized very, very soon, I realized that I couldn't do that on, on, on television, at least on Spanish speaking television. I know in English, this doesn't make sense because you have Oprah and tons of shows that have followed her steps. Uh, but in Spanish, it's just more like entertainment and news and sports. So I realized that wasn't my, I couldn't do it there. 
And that's how I started my podcast and started doing things online and giving workshops and stuff. So, so that's what it means. Choosing my, choosing my heart, choosing my passion, being very present with that and not always doing what people think I should be doing because they normally want to protect me. And, and they tell me very often that I'm crazy and that I shouldn't be doing this and doing that, but I still do it. Like being, <laughs> like being a TV host, I, I could write a book, like three steps to kill your career on television. Step number one, become vegan. Step number, <laughs> step number two is like, tell people that you're vegan. No, step number three, tell the network that you're not willing to work with any brand that uh, has been hurting animals, people, or the planet. There you go. Good Boom. job, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Good job. Good boy. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you don't listen. I'm glad you listen to your heart. You have a magnificent mom, but you're an extraordinary, extraordinary human being. And I'm so grateful that you shared your light and wisdom here. And thank you for all that you do to make this world so beautiful, Marco. Thank you, Juliana, for all that you do. It's an honor to meet you. It's an honor to be here in your podcast. And uh, here I am anytime you want. And good luck with your Spanish. Learn your Spanish so I can invite you to my podcast. <laughs> Muchas gracias. That's a really good incentive. I'm honored. Nada, Juliana. Yes. Gracias. 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 Adios. <laughs> I don't think there's any moment of that interview that I don't love. I am so grateful that Marco shared so much of himself. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.